Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Welcome to Off the Bench with Heidi St. John. Today is Thursday, July 23rd. This is episode 964. I'm so glad that you guys are here today because a very special friend is in the studio with me. Estera Bondarev is here to tell her story of her family's escape from communism. This is part one of two. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So I mentioned last week that I'm going to be speaking for the Reimagine Education Conference next next week. If you guys are feeling overwhelmed, that's okay. There's a lot of us feeling overwhelmed right now. The conference is in person for a limited audience. Thank you, Rona as well as online and happening July 27th through August 1st. We're going to cover time management, organization, marriage enrichment, and the commonly asked question these days, can I even do this thing? And that's just for starters. So by the way, the answer is yes. You can absolutely homeschool. Find the link to register at HeidiStJohn.com forward slash events. Tickets are $10. I also want to let you guys know that you can leave me a voicemail, and I'm not even kidding. If you do, I might play it on the air. So be sure and tell me if that's not what you want when you call. And you got to be kind. If I don't like your tone of voice, we're not going to air your question. All right, that'd be great. Look in the description of the podcast, and you're going to find a link. That's different, by the way, than the show notes. It's actually a link that's available when you read the description of the podcast. Give it a try. It's kind of fun. All right, you guys, without further ado, uh, I'm going to introduce a guest to you that I first heard speak a couple of weeks ago. She has a powerful story. You guys have been hearing me talk now for at least a couple of years about what I have been observing happening in American society. Partly, we've seen the quieting of the church, the church's unwillingness to engage in politics, to engage in what's talk, in talking about what's happening around us. And you heard me two weeks ago talk about the Marxist takeover of the United States in a podcast that I entitled Marxism at the Door of America. I'm excited today because uh, my friend Estera is here today and she has a really powerful story. And I've asked her to come and talk to you guys uh, because she knows firsthand what it's like to live under a totalitarian regime. And she's got a powerful story. Estera, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Heidi. It's great to be here. You're pretty brave. I mean, this was sort of just a spur of the moment. I was like, hey, you're here at this. You're here in the Friendly Planet Homeschool Resource Center and you've got a story to tell. Yeah. And uh, you said you do it. So you you got to have some chutzpah, girl. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's not just me. It's the whole Slavic community. They all have stories. We we can learn a lot from our great grandparents, our yeah. grandparents who um immigrated here and ran away from tyranny, de- communism. Yeah. Um, firsthand, they they um, went through um, prosecution for their faith. Yeah. Many men and women were prosecuted for their faith, for not denying Christ, because under communism regime, it's literally like their own form of religion. That's right. They will not accept or tolerate any other religion. And they will make an example out of you. So where did you, where were you born? I was born in the Ukraine. All right. Right by the Romanian border. There's a village there in a city, Chernovtsi. And um, that's, uh, we immigrated here in 1992. I was six years old. And why did your parents leave? Because of communism. The second we had an opportunity, we waited 10 years for our application to be approved. And um, the second we got that opportunity, 
We packed our bags, no English, just a couple bags. Um, and we immigrated here with my grandpa and his children, five kids, and then my mom and me and my brother. So we were like a big family that came, uh, everyone, uh, no English, left everything behind and started a new life, a, a better tomorrow that we knew this was the land of opportunity and the land of freedom. And even with no English, we all made something out of ourselves mm. and we all thrive and have businesses and it's an, just a better life for our children and our children's children. I want listeners to understand. So I've been talking about this for several years, mm -hmm. telling people, listen, something is very wrong in this country. And if you thought uh, Barack Obama was bad, Biden is Barack Obama on steroids. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. And when I hear people tell me that uh, Biden is leading the polls, first of all, I don't believe the polls. But when I hear that Biden is leading in the polls, my first thought is people do not understand what we are up against. So when you say you, it smells familiar to you, what are you talking about? What kinds of things are you seeing happening in America? America right now that give you that give you reason to worry already the closing of the church close your doors this doesn't come overnight they they strip away your freedom slowly to the point like what uh what uh Newsom did in California you think that's just that's little by little and before you know it that is oppression before you know it we're gonna wake up and say how did we get here we can't even open our doors anymore. That's what's happening. They don't do it overnight. The enemy is very sneaky. He's not new at this game. History is repeating itself. Mm. And when I realized our fight is much harder now because we've been asleep, That's not right. just the Slavic community, even Americans. Well, Americans have been sleeping for a long time. You know, but the yeah. Slavic were, because, no, okay, so they ran away from this, right? Mm -hmm. So they thought they'd never have to worry about this again. So that's why they sat quiet because why would they want to relive those horrible, horrible memories? I, I don't blame them. I get it because that's that's a, a heavy oppression they went through. Mm -hmm. They ran from that. I, I understand why they don't want to bring it up. But that silence, now our fight is bigger. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be, mm -hmm. but... It's better late than never. Mm -hmm. So now they're realizing, uh-oh, like, whoa, what's going on? They're the church and then the whole sex education. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I finally stood up and I said, you guys, my kids go to a Christian private school. This doesn't even affect me. I mean, I'm sure eventually they'll try to, yeah, you sure know, if we don't stop yeah, it. That's right. I said, you guys, wake up now to my Slavic friends. I said, I don't want to hear you guys later crying and saying, I can't send my kids to school because look what they're teaching them. Did you do anything about it? Mm -hmm. Did you stand up? Did you fight? Did you sign the petitions? Mm -hmm. Did you take the petitions? Did mm -hmm. you go get everyone's signatures? No. Mm -hmm. I said, wake up because if we don't stop it now and same thing with the, with the churches, like this is illegal what mm -hmm. they're doing. Mm -hmm. If they, if we knew our constitutional rights that they don't teach us in school anymore, mm -hmm. We would know our rights. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't teach it because they want us to get lost and the government is forced. The government is not forced. It is my job to take care of my health. The government's job is to protect our constitutional That's rights. That's right. That's right. And they're not doing it. You guys, I've learned this just in the past year. Yeah. Like, because I've gotten so serious. I said, that is it. And I went up to my mom and I took her by the shoulders and I said, 
why didn't you teach me how important it is to, to, to vote? And she, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. They didn't tell us not to get involved. I said, Mom, mm-hmm. we're in this mess because we sat too quiet. I said, the church should be involved in politics. We were founded on faith here in this country. Mm -hmm. I said, we should be leading politics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Tell me what to do. I said, oh, I have to tell you what to do now? (laughs) I said, we should have known this. I know. It's so scary. Tell me what to do. Oh, yes, yes. I I said, I'm just, mom, I love you, but we've been asleep. And she admits it. We were told not to get involved. And we just, I said, well, now our fight is harder. Mm-hmm. It's better late than never. Well, and really, it's, uh, I'm so thrilled. I mean, you and I were talking about this before. I am so glad to see the Slavic community get into the fight because there are a lot of you. <laughs> we are so many. There are so a many. lot of you. Uh, we're, yeah, we're everywhere. Yeah. America's full of, and not just, we're Romanians. Romanians are such a huge community. Yes. Slavics, that's just Yugoslavian, um, Russian, Ukrainian, we're, yeah, and especially my generation, mm-hmm. we're getting up and we're, and we're like, hey, to the parents, we got to get serious mm-hmm. because of our sleepiness and not wanting to talk about it. I get it. But look what's following us if we don't rise up you right know what's now. what's interesting to me as I'm listening to you talk I'm I'm having echoes of my own growing up. So I didn't come, obviously, from a communist country. I was born in Portland, Oregon. But we were born into a Christian family, and we were told that there are two things that never mixed, church and politics. And so we never talked about politics at family gatherings. We, didn't t- we certainly never talked about it at the church. And I feel like in many regards, this has led us to where we are now. And so many Christians that I talk to right now are saying, oh, no, that's not um, Jesus was now Jesus wasn't political. Are you kidding me? I just I always are you serious right now? Uh, the the Jews in Jesus time, they did not have the political freedom that we have. People exactly. say, well, uh, you know, Romans 13, we're hiding behind Romans 13 and render to Caesar what is Caesar in the United States of America. The Constitution is Caesar. The people are Caesar because our government is of the people, by the people and for the people. And it is the people who have the opportunity to stand right now. I'm going to read something to you. I posted this the other day uh, online. I've read it before, but it's so interesting. And it says, um, this was actually written uh, by a woman who survived the Holocaust. And she has an incredible story to tell. Her name is Kitty Worthman. And when I read this, it gave me, it just gave me chills. Because I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what's happening. That's what's happening to us. And people say, oh, you're, you're overreacting. So I'm going to read this to you, a part of it. And I want to know if you think I'm overreacting. She says, I cannot tell you that Hitler took Austria by tanks and guns. It would distort history. Do you remember the plot of The Sound of Music? The Von Trapp family escaped over the Alps rather than submit to the Nazis. Kitty wasn't so lucky. Her family chose to stay in her native Austria. She was 10 years old, but bright and aware, and she was watching. We elected Hitler by a landslide, she recalls, 98% of the vote. But she wasn't old enough to remember the or to vote in 1938, approaching her 11th birthday, but she remembers. 
Everyone thinks that Hitler just rolled in with tanks and took Austria by force. Not so. Hitler was welcomed into Austria. In 1938, Austria was in a deep depression, which is where the United States is heading right now. Nearly one-third of our workforce was unemployed. We had 25% inflation and 25% bank loan interest rates. Farmers and business people were declaring bankruptcy daily. Young people were going from house to house begging for food. Not that they didn't want to work. There simply weren't any jobs. My mother was a Christian woman and believed in helping people in need. And every day we cooked a big kettle of soup and baked bread to feed hungry people, about 30 each day. We looked to our neighbor on the north, Germany, where Hitler had been in power since 1933. And we had been told that they didn't have unemployment or crime and they had a high standard of living. Nothing was ever said about the persecution of any group, Jewish or otherwise. We were led to believe that everyone in Germany was happy. We wanted the same way of life in Austria. We were promised that for a vote, Hitler would end the unemployment and help our families. Hitler said that businesses would be assisted and that farmers would get their farms back. Government money would be given to everyone. 98% of our population voted to annex Austria into Germany and have Hitler be our ruler. After the election, German officials were appointed, and like a miracle, we suddenly had law and order. Three or four weeks later, everyone was employed. The government made sure that a lot of work was created through the public work service. Hitler decided we should have equal rights for women. Before this, it was a custom that a married Austrian woman did not work outside the home. An able-bodied husband would be looked down upon if he couldn't support his family. And then we lost our religious education for children. Our education was nationalized. I had attended a very good public school. The population was predominantly Catholic, so we had religion in our schools. The day we elected Hitler... March 13, 1938, I walked into my schoolroom to find the crucifix had been replaced by by Hitler's picture hanging next to a Nazi flag. Our teacher, a very devout woman, stood up and told the class we would no longer pray or have religion in our schools anymore. And instead, we sang Deutschland, Deutschland and had a physical education class. Sunday became National Youth Day with compulsory education. Uh, And she goes on to say that we were told the first time that if they did not send us, our parents were not pleased about the sudden change in curriculum, but our parents were told if they did not send us, they would receive a stiff letter of warning the first time. The second time they would be fined the equivalent to $300 and the third time they would be subject to jail. And then things got worse. The first two hours consisted of political indoctrination. The rest of the day we had sports. And on and on it went. And she says, in 1939, the war started and a food bank was established. And on and on it went. Soon after this, a draft was established. And I think it's so interesting, as I I was reading the story, she goes on to say that before Hitler, we had very good medical care. And I keep thinking, are these dummies in our nation that want communism? Before Hitler, we had good medical care. Uh, Many American doctors trained at the University of Vienna. After Hitler... Healthcare was socialized. It was free for everyone. Doctors were salaried by the government. The problem was, since it was free, the people were going to the doctors for everything. So the doctor would arrive at his office at 8 in the morning, and 40 people were waiting for him, and the hospitals were full. And we began to wait and wait and wait. As for healthcare, our tax rates went up 80%. Newlyweds received a $1,000 loan from the government to establish a household. All daycare and education was free. 
High schools were taken over by the government and college tuition was subsidized. Everyone was entitled to free handouts, free food stamps, clothing, and housing. We had another agency designed to monitor businesses. My brother-in-law owned a restaurant that had square tables. This is where it gets so creepy. Government officials told him he had to replace them with round tables because people might bump themselves on the corners. And then they said he had to have additional bathroom facilities. It was just a small dairy business and a snack bar. He couldn't meet the demands, and soon he went out of business. And she goes on to say, it's, it's, it's amazing. Totalitarianism didn't come quickly. It took five years from 1938 until 1943 to realize what had happened to Austria. It had it happened overnight, my countrymen would have fought to the last breath. Instead, we had creeping gradualism, and now our only weapons were broom handles. The whole idea sounds almost unbelievable that little by little our freedom was taken from us. America is truly the greatest country in the world. Don't let your freedom slip away. After America, there is no place to go. Exactly. Wow. I wonder when, you know, you're obviously your parents and your grandparents grew up uh, in Ukraine. Was it always like this for them? Yeah, they owned everything. They owned everything. They gave them a little piece of property build their own house, do all, all they had to survive was under crops. Like that's it. So people here in, in the United States, they're we hearing don't have crops here. No. And people are hearing, well, socialism, it's really good. They're going to give you things. Everybody's going to share. Does it work that way? No, they would have designated times and it would say bread and they would go and stand hours and hours for bread and milk. This happened in Romania, Soviet Union, Ukraine, they own everything. And all they had to be able to survive was their own crops. Imagine us here in America living in the city. Who has crops? Who? Okay, someone might have a little garden. But what about wintertime if the government owns the food? Yeah, yeah. That's what's coming. Mm-hmm. And, like, and like she said, it doesn't come overnight because they know if this came overnight, we would fight tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. They strip it slowly, slowly till we're going to wake up. We're not going to. In the name of Jesus, I proclaim that will never happen. Amen. In the Amen. name of Jesus. Amen. But And this has turned you into a fighter. Oh. So would a, you say that a year ago you weren't a fighter? No. No. No, so I wasn't. What, what changed? What got you off the bench and, and onto the battlefield? What point did you just say, enough is enough. We have to start doing something. So at my church, my pastor and his wife, they're my mentors. And we were talking um, just what just this was last year, started last year. And uh, they said they live in Oregon. And this and my uh, my mentor told me, he said, you know, that Oregon was only 10,000 votes from being a red state. And I said, what did you say? And he said, yeah, imagine if every Slavic voted the shift of this country, what would it be? I said, wow, you're right. How do I get involved? This came from my church pastor. He is the one that, and I thank God for him, that woke me up. And and I said, but aren't we not supposed to vote? And he's like, are you kidding me? We are supposed to be so involved. We should be politics. It should be under godly. We should godly. be the politicians. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, wow, okay, what do I do? And he said, we don't have to, it's not just the president. We have to know who's in office for 30 years at a time in our senates. That's right. In our governments. And I said, okay. And um, 
And he said, you know, people like you who are very bold, you know, and when I wasn't walking with Christ, the enemy used that boldness, you know, for not good things. I would, I'd intimidate people and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was outspoken and don't mess with me. But now that I'm walking with Christ, I am, the Holy Spirit just told me, I'm going to use you where you're planted. And when I figured out how important it is to vote, I said, God, I, I want to do something. And I shared my story with Kelly one night, just the day before the protest. And she said, can you please speak? I went from speaking to like a 10, 12 girls Bible study, like <laughs> to speaking 500 people. And then two weeks later, Cope Rally, um, the governor running for yes. uh, Republican, yeah. reached out to me because they heard me there. Not Cope, but his um, uh, field manager uh-huh. heard me at the protest and said, we need to hear the Slavic's testimonies. You guys firsthand let, ran from this. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it, this is like. So that's why maybe we're not so awake. Maybe we are who's heard about it. Mm-hmm. But we, could you please speak? And I was like, okay, but it's the same testimony. Because he's like, no, that's what we need. Because testimonies, the enemy hates testimonies. Because they never it. change. Mm-hmm. They're raw, they're real, and they're truth. Mm-hmm. You know? And when you're telling the truth, you, you just, it's the truth. It it changes people. It wakes people up. And and I spoke to another group of people, 1,000, so and I went, spoke, Whoa, When God. you're speaking, what are you doing? You're just telling your story. I'm just telling my story, and I'm, and I'm pointing them back to Christ because true, true freedom is found in Jesus Christ. That's right. That's right. And really, the gospel is the answer. The gospel is the, the gospel answer, is and the we're answer. missing God. Mm-hmm. They took God out of school. Mm-hmm. I actually was just watching uh, uh, a video of me in 1994 in elementary in Portland, Oregon, at Alder Elementary, yep, I believe. I know right where that is. Yeah. yeah. And we were singing, like, God bless this land. Hallelujah. I might have been the last generation that mm-hmm. they had God inquire. Well, have you noticed interesting how they've gotten rid of patriotism? Yes. It's fascinating to me to watch Black Lives Matter, basically who has, they have committed themselves to the erosion of the nuclear family and to promoting uh, transgenderism and all kinds of things, just wicked ideologies. And we're so asleep and we're so uh, moved by a slogan that we don't do our homework to see what's underneath it. And I think that's what's happening in the church. So we hear things like Black Lives Matter. And we go, of course they do. Absolutely they do. And we don't we do not do our homework to see what's be- what's beneath it. We don't have, once you put a color in front of the word live matters, mm-hmm. that's racist. We shouldn't have to put a color yep. in front of, Lives matter. Yep. That's it. That's right. Lives matter. Yep. Yep. That's we shouldn't right. have to put a color. It's like we're seeing we're seeing racism now just coming oh, from all over the place. Exactly. So thanks for listening today, you guys. I hope you've enjoyed this. Tomorrow we're going to come back and we're going to air part two of my interview with Estera Bondarev. You guys, I'm telling you what, it is so important for us to be able to understand what people have gone through to come to freedom in the United States and to fight to protect it. I hope you guys have been encouraged and I'll see you back here with part two of Estera's story tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.